Hey, y'all. So before we dive into today's episode, I just want to put a trigger warning out there. We are going to talk about some sensitive topics. So if um, sexual assault is triggering to you, I just want to put this disclaimer out there um, so nobody is upset. All right. So let's jump on into it, friend. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to unfazed and unbothered. I'm Camo. I'm Tasia. And this week's episode, we are going to unpack a lot for you guys. We are going to touch base on our childhood traumas, our upbringing, and pretty much everything leading up and into our social media stardom, if you will. Do you want to give the girls a little rundown of who you are, where you started, um, childhood traumas, Let's get it started, friend. Y'all might want to grab some uh, Coke and popcorn. And by Coke, I mean Coca-Cola products. We don't do drugs. Um, Grab some Coca-Cola and popcorn because it's going to be a long, periodically rough time. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so to begin, um, I was born in Stockbridge, Georgia, Henry County. Um, And so my mom had me at age 17. Oh, she was No, she was pregnant with me at 17. She had me at 18 and my dad was 21. Oh, she was throwing that thing back. She was throwing it back, honey. Okay, so (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I was born in Henry County and my parents were together until I was about two years old and then they split. So I don't remember any part of my life of them being together. They've always been separated, but they've always both been very active parents in my life. Mm -hmm. Um So I was raised there until maybe about mm, six years old. And then we, me and my mom moved to Butts County with my grandparents. Where is that at? uh, Jackson, Georgia. Where the fuck is that at? It's in Bumblefuck, Egypt. So yeah, it was, it was out there like farms and cows and shit. Moo. Yeah. We saw all that (laughs) shit out there. So yeah, we love that. Literally, I went to a private school in third grade and it was like 45 minutes from where I lived. That tells you there was literally- You had to drive that far to school every day? I was in private school. Yeah. Because I mean, they had schools out there, but they weren't good schools. So my parents put me in private school. Oh my God. Yeah. That only lasted for a year. That was a lot of driving. Yeah. That was a lot of driving. We hated that. We did not, we did not think she was so cute and gorgeous. But um, anyway, so yeah, we lived there and then, you know, the summer going into fourth grade, me and my mom got our own place in Gwinnett County mm-hmm. and I grew up in Gwinnett County until forever. Um, and my family finally moved out of Gwinnett um, when I was 18, but during all that, my mom was a single mom until I was about 14. So I would go to my dad's every other weekend. I'd see my dad and my brothers because, you know, my dad has two boys by my stepmom and they're no longer together. Um, but yeah, I'm still very close with her and my brothers. Um, so anyways, I would see them every other weekend. And then my mom, it was just me and her. We lived in a cute little town home. Um, and then everything was very cute and gorgeous. And then I hit, you know, you know, my my late teens. I thought I was too grown for this world, you know. Started hitting the streets. Um, so <laughs> I had the key to the streets. Um, but for real. Uh, so about 17, I think I dropped out of high school and I was 16. Um, I started doing online school. Obviously, I did not finish it. Um, because did you graduate? I did not graduate, sister. <gasps> I'm, Why did I not know that? Yeah, I'm still in the process of getting my GED. I've passed everything except for math. And I've taken okay, the math well, four I, times. I can relate on the math. I failed so many times. Actually, in high school, I was so over math and I hated it so much that I forged a letter from my parents saying that I was um, n- not dyslexic, but I, I couldn't do math pretty much. I was like special. You had a learning disorder. Yes. And so I, I, I forged this letter and told did them I say that, that I right? needed like... I, what did you say? <laughs> Learning disorder. I, I, I think, I, whatever. I, I Basically, I couldn't compute the math. So I needed to be in some type of remedial math. So they put me in a math support computer class for the rest of my high school career because, girl, I was failing math left and right. First of all, who needs to know Pythagorean theorem? Who needs to know about shapes and all that shit? Like, I'm not going to be a rocket scientist. I, 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 all I need to know is how to count some commas, okay? Um, but Run yeah, up so a I, shit. I, I totally relate with you on the math thing. I couldn't do it. 
Yeah. So I'm still in the process of getting that done. Like mm. seriously. Um, but I have, you know, gotten everything else, just not math. So anyways, I dropped out of high school when I was 16 and, uh, you know, Long story short, you know, the the neighbor next door, we started, you know, do the little do do. Um, he ended up being a very toxic boyfriend of mine, you know mm. what I mean? And I was already drinking and doing pills, which, you know, we don't love that. And so after I met him, it just kind of went downhill and there was just no, no saving. Don't save her. She did not want to be saved. Um, you know, I kept on getting in trouble. I finally went to jail back and forth. Um, I actually got a a charge for possession of Adderall, and I obviously bonded out, got put on felony probation, violated that twice, went to rehab, was in rehab for 14 months, and thank you, Jesus, I got separated from him, didn't see him, never talked to him again because it just was not good for me or him. How old were you at this point? So I was 17. So I, when I was when I got sent to rehab, I was 18. And so, so you had already had like your vine moment. For sure. So yeah, I definitely skipped that part. But yeah, I'd already had my Vine moment and everything. So um, Vine happened for me when I was in high school and I was 14. And so that is kind of why I dropped out of high school was because when people started following me on Vine, you know, I already did not like school. I never made good grades. Um, It just wasn't for me. Always in trouble. I I think I was suspended from school twice. Just doing dumb, dumb stuff. Um, But I also couldn't focus. And I really feel like I had some kind of mental illness that needed to be treated at that time. And it just wasn't. Um, You know, obviously, I have anxiety and depression. And now I'm on medication for it. But back then, we did not know what was going on inside my head. And my parents were always like, oh, you're normal. It's normal. Yeah, it is normal, but it needs to be treated at the same time. Absolutely. So it wasn't. And so it just kind of, my life at that time spiraled out of control. So when Vine started or whatever, I would go to school and, you know, people were just really mean. You know, I did, I went to a school anyways where kids, you know, kids are just mean in general. So then on top of them knowing that people follow you on Vine, they're like, oh, yeah, just sick. They treated, they're just mean, mean people. Um, And so I told my mom, I was, I literally told her, I said, I'm not going to school my junior year. Like I'm over it. Um, You know, when you go to school, you should not feel like, you should not feel like you're about to have a heart attack walking inside school. And that's how I felt. So, I didn't go. I started doing Faith Academy. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that, but that's what I was doing. Uh, I went to a really good um, online school, but I just never finished because obviously I'm at home all day. I'm not really doing my work. I'm sitting on my phone, you know, doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And so I just never graduated. Um, And so, yeah, when I went to, when all the jail stuff happened and I got sent to rehab, I was in rehab for 14 months. I was only supposed to be there a year, but you know, I never take things serious. So they kept me there two extra months. Mm. Um, And so I got out when I was 19 and that's actually when I met you. Okay. Yeah. uh, At the tavern. At the Top Dog Tavern. Come get your burgers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god the the owners are gonna hear this or someone's gonna probably relay the information to them hey biscuits we gotta stop giving them all this free promo period they was doodle nuggets and their food was not even good some of it was okay I, I, here's the thing i don't like the way that places ran but there were some things i liked i really liked the um what was it the um the potato skins Girl, okay, that might have been the only thing that I like, but you can't go wrong up. with potatoes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you can't go wrong with potatoes. I can make me some potatoes right now on the stove, then bitches be hitting. Bussing. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, damn. Um, I feel like my childhood was the opposite. Um, for me, I mean, my parents also got divorced, um, but my parents got divorced when I was around, I think I was in first grade when my parents got divorced. And that kind of changed everything because a few months after that actually my grandparents got divorced so there was a lot going on um but in in that point in time i don't think that i thought that it affected me but looking back in retrospect i think that parents getting a divorce and like even though you didn't you know remember a time of your parents really being together i'm sure subconsciously without even realizing it the constant back and forth definitely probably had some mental um, hold on you growing up. Oh, for sure. Separation anxiety, not wanting to leave my dad because I only saw him every two weeks and vice versa. Yeah. It's stressful. No one really talks about 
what it does to the to the children but um my parents divorced and my uh, i had a very supportive family my family was very good to me but they have different views and opinions which now they've all kind of um came to terms with who I am and everything's cute and gorgeous. Um, except for my papa, I cut his ass off last Christmas Eve and I've stuck by have. that. He's just nasty. Um, just so many things that he said, actually a lot of my childhood trauma stems from him. Actually. I remember when I was four or five, my Mimi that I live with now, she, let me sleep in some just some Hanes pink t-shirt. And I remember him going off on her about how I can't wear pink because I'm a boy and that's going to make me gay. And so I remember that. I remember multiple other comments that I just started storing in the back of my brain over time. Like I remember one time we were at um, the Cherry Blossom Festival. Ooh, haven't been there in years. It's like a little fair in, I think, Macon. I don't know, somewhere. Um, and I remember there was this black guy and he had like chains and a grill and like baggy clothing. And I remember him saying, that's that inward shit. And that was said. And then my mother was pregnant with my sister who is biracial. She's half black, half white. And I remember, I, I always knew that my grandfather was um, just nasty and very far right. And so I absolutely would intentionally push his buttons. And I think my brother was seeing um, this girl, I think she was Indian, I think. Um, she wasn't white. And that I knew would piss him off. And so I remember antagonizing my grandfather like oh taylor uh tell papa about your girlfriend and papa was like oh let's hear battle should and then you know when he found out that she wasn't white he pitched a whole fit about how you can't be with somebody that you're not evenly yoked with which by the way evenly yoked is has nothing to do with uh the color of your skin it's about spiritually um but ignorant anyways um but at the time my mother was pregnant with my sister and so i said well if that's the case what about my sister and i remember him saying she's gonna be an abomination and that set me off and then around 12 years old growing up i played with barbie dolls a lot i loved playing in my mother's closet playing with her jewelry her makeup and so i, I definitely lived a different life than my brother did. My brother was going outside with the boys, hanging out, and I wanted to hang with the girls and do more feminine stuff. And I played with Barbie dolls until I was 12. In fact, I used to stitch clothing and make my own clothing for the Barbies. But I was obsessed with my Barbies and my nanny and my boogie, well, my aunt, I call her boogie. That's a whole other story. Um, they would buy me dolls at the thrift store because that's what I wanted. And I love them. I, they're so sweet. No, they are. They're very sweet. And I credit a lot of my morals and my upbringing and the way I feel about things to them. Um, and they were always caring and always loved me unconditionally, period. But um, the men in my family, they had different feelings about me playing with Barbies and the way I was acting. And so I remember um, when I was 12, which some of the people in my family, they have selective memory. And for whatever reason, when I've brought this up, they're like, that didn't happen. Don't motherfucking gaslight me. Yes, it did. I remember sitting in my nanny's living room and all of the men gathering and being like, you can't play with the Barbies anymore. It's going to make you gay. And so things like that really traumatized me. Also reverse a little bit when I was this is a lot to unpack so much. I feel like I'm just talking everybody's head off. But um, when I was about six, my mother, she had a very rough, a very, very, very rough, disgusting childhood. Her mother is the fucking devil. Her mother is so nasty and disgusting. And my mother wanted to make amends with her and have a relationship with her um, in her adult life. And so 
I had never met my mother's side of the family really up until this point. And so we flew out to Texas and we met her. And I don't know why, right off the rip, my mother's mother did not like me. And I remember one day my mom was like drinking at the pool outside and I went inside to like go grab a Capri Sun. And my grandmother was like, you need to go tell your mother that you want to stay with your aunt Carmen. Mind you, I had never met my aunt yet. That was my mother's, one of my mother's sisters. And she told me that I needed to tell my mother to bring me over there and that I wanted to stay with her. And so I went out there, told my mom, my mom was intoxicated. So I guess she didn't you know, retain that. And so when my mother came in a, a little bit later, she asked her, did, did Cam uh, ask if he could stay at Carmen's? And my mom was like, what are you talking about? And so when my mom left the house, um, my grandmother grabbed my arm. She was like chopping up vegetables and she grabbed my arm. and was like, I'll chop your, your arm off, blah, say, blah, blah if you don't go tell your mother. So I went and told my mom, again, I want to go stay at my aunt's house. That is so scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was not even the cherry on top. So then when I came back inside or when my mom came back inside, she asked her again, did you can't say something about staying at Carmen's? And my mom was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He doesn't even know her. So when my mom went back outside again, my grandmother pulled me in her bedroom, locked the door and pulled two shotguns out of her <sighs> closet and put them to my head and said, I will blow your fucking brains out if you don't go stay at your aunt's house. So... That was something that really traumatized me. And I've ever since then had like such a big fear with guns, um, which fast forward years ago, somebody pulled a gun out at me at Top Dog one day, actually the same day that my mother was diagnosed with cancer. Lots of fucking shit um, always going on. And then when the you were door dashing, like it's insane. Oh, yeah. And then I was door dashing. I actually made TikToks about this a few months ago. I was door dashing and I went to this rough patch of Atlanta, The I think the uh, west side or east, which, whichever side's more ran down. And I went to this apartment complex. Half of the building was shut down and for lease. So I was really confused. I was standing outside forever, calling the DoorDash customer support. Nobody was being helpful. I finally found another entrance to the building. I went in. I'm like, hey, the directions on the DoorDash told me to deliver to somebody with dreads. I saw a man with dreads come in and I just asked him, hey, am I delivering this meal to you? And it was him and one other guy. And one of them came in with like an all red jumpsuit. He had red pants, red shirt, and a red hat and red shoes. And I saw like a huge outline of a gun in his pants. And so like I got really tense. And then he uh, saw, saw my face when I turned around. I'm obviously a guy. And I was wearing like a floral trench coat dress looking thing. And he was like, uh... Say I won't shoot this faggot motherfucker. Say I won't shoot his ass. And his friends like laugh and he goes, say I won't do it right now. And girl, I, I, I think I called you that you night. You did, yeah. I called you. I called a few of my friends. I was in hysterics. And I remember fucking the DoorDash people. I'm telling them that this happened. And like, well, you need to um, really deliver that meal. Oh, no, ma'am. I'm like, are you hearing the fucking words coming out yeah, of my mouth? Yeah, you can shut this food up your fucking Are you dumb? Asshole. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind. And then the guy was like blowing my phone up. He wanted his fucking $30 Popeye's order, but I'm so sorry. He wasn't getting it. But yeah, that's a lot. Um, so that's been a lot of traumatic things that's happened to me, but um, I don't know. Lots of trauma, lots of things. I don't, I don't even think we can fit it all in one episode, but. It's definitely going to have to be broke down into a few episodes, but I absolutely. definitely am, am very excited to break it all down. Yeah, because not only does it give everybody, you know, it gives them more of an insight on who we are as people and a person and where we are today and what we've been through, but also like it's so therapeutic for the both of us. Yeah, having this space to trauma dump and hear your feedback. And then, of course, when uh, the listeners give feedback, it's just I feel like it's definitely going to help close some of these wounds because I mean, obviously life keeps going and I have no other choice but to move on. But there are some things that still sit in the back of my mind. Um, so 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, but childhood, that was cute. That was cute, whatever. Not really cute. Um, But what was like, moving on from the trauma, what was your elementary, middle school experience? Like, did you go through any intense bullying or? Honestly, no. I never really experienced uh, intense bullying. I mean, I went through a weird phase when I was in elementary school. I had anxiety really, really bad. So I would do these weird habits with my hands and my feet. And I would always go to the principal's office and need to call my parents because I always felt like my stomach was hurting. But really, it was just worry. It's anxiety. So kids would kind of pick on me for that because they knew that I was just different. Um, And then obviously, in middle school, honestly, it it was very easy going. And then high school, the only bullying I would consider would be just people being like, oh my gosh, Tasia Alexis from Vine. Oh my gosh. And like taking pictures and posting it on Twitter and being like, met the Tasia Alexis from Vine and posting just being it. Shady. Just being so shady. But also it didn't really affect me um, because I would retweet it and I would just be like, LOL, nice meeting being like a smart ass. Okay. <laughs> and I really feel like they thought I was being dead ass serious, but I was not being serious. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Fuck um, all you dumb bitches. But, you know, and, and that's why I hate to even give credit where I'm like, oh, I dropped out of high school because of that. No, it really wasn't why. Um, I dropped out of high school. The main reason why was because I was doing so well on Vine. You didn't need school. And Instagram. And I was traveling. Um, I, I went or we had the ego tour. We went around to different, um, uh, I was about to say countries, but different states. Um, we, you know, I went to Los Angeles for a few weeks. So I was doing a lot of things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I stayed in high school. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, I didn't get my high school diploma, even though I was doing online school. And unfortunately, I kind of took a different route because I had a lot of traumatic things happen to me, you know, being that while I was you know, doing social media and having so many people look at me all the time, constantly, you know, watching my every move and all these things. I was also going through so much behind closed doors with a toxic relationship, you know, drinking and doing drugs. And then on top of that, I had, you know, somebody sexually assault me and, you know, I had court dates for that. And it was like, you know, going on for so many years. And so I felt like every time that I would get back up on my feet, the devil would kind of come and attack me again. And just always something would just keep bringing me down, whether it was, hey, you have to appear in court uh, against so-and-so who sexually assaulted you. And this was an ongoing experience. Um, the guy How that I was- How were you when that happened? Um, I was 17 when it happened. And so- it didn't end. Like I kept having to go to court and talking to the DA and all these things. It was that was going on for years. It was going on for years. It was. And what really, you know, and this is crazy to say, but I prayed for so many years for, I, I never prayed like, I hope he gets what he deserves. I never did that. I just prayed for God to put his hand on the situation so that I could have some kind of relief. 
Um, all charges were dropped against him, you know, and usually, yeah, it does suck, but usually that's what happens in a, a case like that, you know, being because they, they attacked me on the stand. Um, they brought up my criminal history. Mm. And so if you're a drug addict and an alcoholic, then you're a liar in their eyes. And so nothing that I said meant anything. And it really sucked to have to be humiliated like that, especially being told that, this would help me and that they were on my side. I really didn't feel like that. But I remember being on the stand and being so humiliated. And there's a couple of times where I'd have to get off the stand and go outside because I was like in the middle of a full blown panic attack. And I didn't really know how to express my emotions, especially in front of so many people and so many people that were looking at me in disgust. Um, but I had prayed, I was like, you know, please show me a miracle, like bring me a miracle in all this darkness, because this is like, this was, was too much for me to handle. Um, but it was so crazy because, you know, even though the charges were dropped throughout all of this, I found out I was pregnant with Greenlee. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was around that time I was still getting in trouble before I got pregnant with Greenlee. I was still getting into a lot of trouble, still drinking and stuff like that. But when I found out I was pregnant with her, it changed my life. And I kind of just grew from that experience. And so I feel like there's so many good things throughout all the traumatic things. But for years, it felt like I had nothing to live for. It lingered. It it, it lingered for a long time. And me and my mom even had this conversation. She was like, I really feel like if it would have ended a long time ago, if, you know, this wouldn't have been going on for so many years. You wouldn't have been getting in trouble and doing all these things because think about it. You're doing good. You're having a good day and you get a letter in the mail. Hey, you have to come to court again over and over again. Sharing you're reliving your story. it every time. Every time. And they don't care and they think that they're helping you. But in reality, you're you're killing me slowly. Yeah, you talked about it for a long time, especially in the early stages of our friendship. It definitely bothered you for a long time, and I knew it affected you deeply. And the thing is, is people really should trust victims. Like, why would somebody have all these details? Why would somebody feel so strongly on a situation? Like, what did you have to gain from putting this man behind bars or sharing this story? Absolutely nothing. And yeah, you might have had some run-ins with the law, but that doesn't take away from your experiences and the trauma that you're going through. That doesn't mean you are making things up. You're not fucking delusional. It wasn't like you were so strung out that you couldn't even formulate a sentence. Like, you had a story you stuck to it and the fact that he just got a slap on the wrist and got let go is so disgusting honestly it is but you know i don't even let that bother me anymore the one thing that you know i haven't been able to speak on it much like when i got my tattoo covered up that kind of representing overcoming sexual assault i got tired of that tattoo and i was you know in the process of getting it covered up so that i could you know really put all of that in the past so i could move forward and any time that i've ever you know talked about sexual assault online whatever the case may be, people that know him will comment on my stuff and just say nasty, mean things. And this is the thing. I never put a name on it. Never would I do that. Um, This is my story. It happened to me. So you can't be mad that I'm sharing a story about being sexually assaulted. Especially if you're not sharing names. Like, why would you just make up a story and then also be so kind as spare his reputation like you're not even you know coming for his throat you're sharing your experience so why is uh the people he's affiliated with coming for you in the comments i, I remember that i, remember I think that it's just pure well i think it's just pure jealousy to be completely honest with you because the people that are doing it um they're on tiktok and doing all these dumb things they're all over social media trying to accomplish something that they're just not going to get and they look it's at me it's just not working it's just not working honey and it's just jealousy but people fail to realize that i had to go through hell and back to be at such a peace in my life i can't help it that you're miserable i am living a good life i have you know a beautiful daughter a beautiful son on the way i'm married i have my own place you know, and I'm very transparent about everything I've been through because I try to be a voice and a light for people. So I feel like if you have that much animosity against me and I don't do anything to you, it's pure jealousy. That's a and I wish you well. I wish you well and God bless you. Thank you. 
Thank you and God bless. Thank you and God bless. Thank Ugh. you. Wow. We have been through some some shit, some deep shit. Oh, we have, but we have it has helped shape us into beautiful people, I think, because we're at such a peace and we're spreading light and awareness for other people when they feel like they have nobody. Because I remember when I was going through the things I did, I did not talk to anybody and I was in a hole and I could not get myself out of that hole for years. And so I really wish that I had something or somebody to look up to in a time like that, you know, that had been through what I went through. Because obviously, if you're going through things and you're talking to people that haven't been through what you've been through, it's very hard to connect. Yeah. Yes, you're there for me and I love you and I appreciate it, but it's hard for you to really understand. Well, I went through, I mean, I, I've spoke to you about this. I've never addressed this online. I've never told any of my family this. So if y'all are listening, so sorry. Um, but I was sexually abused, but in a different way. Um, when I was 14, I was finally coming to terms with my sexuality and I had another friend who was gay and um, he was a little bit older than me, um, but he was also coming to terms with his sexuality. And so, you know, young kids, testosterone, hormones, whatever the case may be, um, there were men that, uh, I see Basically, there was a guy who he was seeing and as a 14-year-old who is young and full of hormones and confused about their sexuality, I wanted to experiment and figure myself out. And so I'm young, I'm 14, and there's this man who was 40-something years old. That sounds so disgusting to say. And one night he took advantage of the fact that I was young and confused and horny pretty much. And I lost my virginity at 14 to a grown ass fucking man. Yeah, um, that is just, oh my. And, but the thing is, is for a long time, for a few years. He knows better because he's way older. Oh, He's, he's an adult, you're a child still. Absolutely. And that's the thing. For a few years, I kind of blamed myself because I let it happen and I was fully consenting. But as I've gotten older, I can reflect on my mental state back then, who I was, and also just, you know, being a child, you can't make those type of decisions. And older people to take advantage and prey on younger children, whether it is consensual or not, it's disgusting. You know better. You like, I can't even look at somebody who's a child and like, I can't and imagine. think like that. No, I can't imagine looking at somebody and being like, damn, I, I want to do things to them. That's disgusting. And so the fact that yes, while I was consenting at the time, the fact that I was 14, I was still in high school. Oh yeah. This grown man who had children or I don't know his life story. I don't even know if he had children, but the fact that he was old enough to be my father, almost my damn grandfather. And for him to think it was okay to know that I was 14 and to take advantage of me like that did sit with me for years. But like I said, for a few years, I blamed myself. But then as I got older, I remember uh, my friend, um, I met up with them at Pride one year and they were still in communications with this man. And I remember them calling me and they're like, hey, come meet me over here. And I went and met them. And then uh, out came out from the fucking woods the man who sexually assaulted me and I or took advantage of me. And I remember running as fast as I could. I was so traumatized. Like it brought everything back. And, and from that point moving forward, I had a different perspective on it. And I was like, Oh my God, like oh, I absolutely. was groomed basically. Yeah. Just like, for example, when I was 14, I had a 21 year old boyfriend who was in college and my parents were like, that's disgusting. We're going to press charges. And I begged them not to, which they didn't. 
But I remember thinking like, I w- I'm okay with this. But now that I'm older and disgusting. I'm 23, ew, even being 18, could, I could not do that. You're disgusting. Yeah. If you, this not normal, it's not normal, but it's looked at as normal. And that's why there's a lot of stuff in the world that's going on right now with sexual assault too. A lot of the victims are, are there, they're being looked at as liars and stuff. And I, don't get me wrong. There are people out here that do lie. And oh, yeah. for that, if you lie that's about disgusting. situations like that. You are scum of the fucking Well, earth. that too. But, and also you're taking away from people that this is actually happening to. And you're the reason why things are getting swept under the rug and you should be ashamed of yourself. Well, the thing is, is people don't feel comfortable or feel safe most times speaking about it. When I was 14, I I didn't know how to even approach that. I was embarrassed. I was shameful. And how was I going to tell my parents, hey, this happened? And then be like, hey, but I was consenting to it. Um, But even if I wasn't, like, how would I go about how would anybody nobody wants to bring it up nobody wants to relive it so it makes sense for people to come out about it years later like it's not something that hey now some people are braver than others and you know it happens and they come out about it right away especially more older people but kids they don't even know how uh, how to make sense of it all so And also, I feel like, too, you kind of you go through a phase, you know, when you when when all this is going on, where you feel like you're almost you might be going crazy a little bit. Yeah. Like it really messes with your head. And I and I am a strong believer that that's the devil. And because the devil is out to kill and destroy and just it's a horrible situation. And so you're already in your head about things. But. But then I'm to have people not believe you, yeah, that's that is, what gets in your head. That Yeah, that that's really, really, really what got to me. And, you know, I can sit here and say, oh, when, when it was all said and done, I felt a relief. No, I really didn't. But I've had to pray and kind of just heal on my own because that's all I know how to do. Um, as for sharing my experience, I will always do that. As and, you should. And I will not be ashamed of it. And I can't help it that the people that know the person are so, um, they're so- In denial. Yeah. God bless y'all. That's all I can say. And I'm not trying to be ugly when I say it, but how dare you? And I try to put myself in, in other people's shoes. How dare you be so obsessed and, and nasty of a person that you are commenting on certain things that I have shared about being sexually assaulted? Discrediting you it's, your story. It's, it's honestly the most disgusting thing I've ever been through. And that's the only thing that I can say is that they're unhappy, miserable people. And all you can do is pray for them because that's, I would never do that. If that was, if, if the roles were reversed or if somebody said that this happened to them, I would never, ever be like, oh, you're a liar. That didn't happen. Regardless if I'm in denial or not, just keep your mouth shut because you have no idea. Yeah. If you only knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they won't know, fortunately for them, because they haven't been through something like that. And that's why sometimes it is hard to relate, like you said earlier, when somebody hasn't been through something like that, because, I mean, where's the common ground? And so when somebody like that hasn't been through something, and that's not just with sexual assault, that's with anything like being gay. Like, if you're not gay, you don't know what it's like being gay and the hardship. Yeah, if you're just not don't speak on something color, that you haven't you experienced. Yeah, you just because you don't experience something just because you are not personally affected by something doesn't mean that it's not going on and that is a lesson that everybody listening and everybody around the world needs to understand people are sexually assaulted whether you want to believe it or not people are the victims of hate crimes i have had guns pulled out on me i have been physically harmed because I'm gay. I have had things thrown at me. I have had people say and do nasty things. And people of color, same situation. They go through all these hardships and then primarily um, heterosexual Caucasians, they are like, oh, well, that's not true. It's not like that. This doesn't happen because they don't experience it and they can't relate. And so they are completely oblivious. But the thing is, people don't just make this shit up. I know there are people out there that do make shit up and lie but your your first instinct shouldn't be to just discredit and write off what people have to say if people are expressing some type of trauma or some type of situation that they went through 
you need to listen. And if you don't want to listen, at least don't sit there and tell them that didn't happen because it didn't happen to me. Who the fuck do you think you are? You know? Yeah, that's very well said, friend. And I think that's very, um, that's a good wrap because we need to go well, ahead. Oh, yeah, we need to go on a break. We need to go on a break. Oh, fuck. We've just been talking, we've just been out here balling. We really have. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to take a short break, guys, and we will be right back. Hey, y'all, we're back. It's Tasia. Hey, I'm Camo. Uh, we left off talking about assault, our. Traumatic experiences in life. Yeah, our traumatic childhoods. Um, Point blank period. Listen to victims. If somebody is coming to you with some traumatic story, don't just discredit them or think they're crazy. Listen to what they have to say because more than likely there is some truth into that. Um, But Retweet. Yeah, girl. People really need people to listen to them that's sometimes that's all somebody needs is for somebody to hear them out and believe the words that they are saying but um we kind of prior to the break touched base on your school experience but uh let's just dive into mine so for me school was uh my experience was a little different um, because I was flamboyant and, you know, prior to going to school, I did hang out with the girls. And like I said, I played with Barbie dolls. So I didn't have like any masculinity to me at all. Um, and so people right off the rip, kids are nasty. Kids are so nasty. And I I remember people calling me sissy and, um, gay and all these things in even elementary school. And honestly, I didn't even know what that meant at the time. Um, I knew that there was something different about me, but I didn't know exactly what that was. Also, while I'm on the topic of gay, you know, people, think that oh it's a choice and that's something that you learn but you know there's certain things from your childhood like early early childhood like two three four that you know like those like very small memories that you can recall and I remember sitting in my living room in my mother's lap and I was like three and I can see our whole living room right now I can see the picture of the angels on the wall I can see my rocking horse I can see our entertainment center and our fucking what was it some ugly ass mahogany chair we had anyways irrelevant but point being made I can remember the whole scene and I remember don't know how we got on the topic of marriage but my mom I told my mom that I was going to marry her I was like three I didn't know better and she's like you can't marry me I'm your mother I was like oh then I'm gonna marry a boy (laughs) I was three how did I how did I know that you know and then um I remember in kindergarten I had quote unquote um a girlfriend Demi. Hey, Demi, if you listening, hey, girl, um, <laughs> you was cute and gorgeous, curly, cute hair. She was very cute from what I remember. Hope you're still cute. Um, <laughs> but I remember in first grade, I had this friend, Andy. Hey, Andy, we up? We go back to the trailers. Um, <laughs> we had like a trailer class in first grade. Sorry, but- that's probably really loud. <laughs> girl, they'll edit that shit out. <laughs> um, I remember him kissing me on the last day of school, just in the forehead, nothing like sexual. But I remember the sparks flying. And I was like, why did I like that? What was that about? Like, well, he was a boy. Ew. And that from that point forward, I remember knowing in my head, like, I don't, I didn't know what gay was, but I knew that I had some type of attraction to men. Um, but moving on from that, um, elementary school, people kind of tormented me. And then, you know, in, um, because of my parents getting a divorce, money was weird. And so I don't come from like this luxe, lavish background. My parents definitely provided for me, but it was always, scraping by and uh we had like old dumpy cars and we lived in duplexes and ran down apartments um but they did the bet they did their absolute best my mom busted her ass but um uh i remember when they separated 
we were eating a lot of fast food and I started gaining weight very quickly. And so I remember as like a young child, um, my weight was a concern because I was very, very skinny and people were like, oh my God, he needs to eat. And then around fourth grade, I, well, my parents divorced in first grade and then second grade and third grade, I kind of was like eating fast food a lot. And by fourth grade, I was very husky, very husky. (laughs) And people would bully me for that. And I remember a little silly story. I remember, listen, I've always been that bitch. Period, Period, mama. Period. And I remember one day, can't remember the bitch's name, but our teacher left the classroom for whatever reason. And this girl, I don't remember exactly what she said, but something about me being overweight. And I remember standing up and I was like, you know what? I may be fat, but I can lose all this. Your face is ugly. You're going to require surgery or something like that. And everybody in the house was like, (gasps) but... People, people want to be nasty, and when you clap back, it's it's not. It's oh not yeah, that's okay. That right there, I'm glad you said that because that has been my experience every single time. I have been in so many um, feuds with people, which I mean, from from that experience moving forward, like my experiences with people, people people have always been nasty. I've always been very out there with my the way I, I expressed myself. I've always been my own person. I've never followed the crowd. I've never tried to fit in I've, I've always been a loner and always always have stuck to myself and so I've always expressed myself for myself and myself only and when you are like that especially at a young age where everybody is kind of trying to fit in people didn't understand me and so everybody had such strong opinions so I was constantly getting into um, debacles with my peers and I mean then me also being gay and in the closet um, people had their opinions about that and it was very obvious um, they knew I was gay before I knew I was gay but um, yeah I constantly was getting into issues with people I went to school with and going back to what you said it, when you clap back for whatever reason for me I've always ended up being the bad guy like it didn't matter how nasty um, these people were to me. For whatever reason, what I had to say back was the issue. Always. When you are a plus-size person, when you are a minority, people really silence you and they really don't give a fuck what you have to say, unfortunately. And they don't want to hear when you are like going through things because again, they don't relate. So when, you know, people are saying that, you know, I have these issues and people are saying these things to me and doing these things to me, they don't care. They don't care. And that's been my experience all through life. I've expressed what I've gone through, what people have said about me. And then I clap back, but for whatever reason, Nothing that was said to me, like people would tell me to kill myself. People would call me fat, ugly, faggot, all these slurs. And then I would say like little catty shit, like your shoes came from Payless <laughs> or, or something like I mean, really they, shady. They're so offended. Yeah. Like I'll, how dare you say my shoes are from Payless? Well, bitch, they are. Uh, you told me to kill myself. Yeah. And uh, they are. So uh, They were from Payless. I mean- it is what it is. It, it, the facts are facts. But I mean, I would, I, back then I was a different person. I did say some nasty things back, but it was retaliation. But point being made, like I always had something to say back. I've always stuck up for myself. Um, maybe not in the best ways, but point being made, uh, me clapping back was always the main topic of discussion and not what was said to me first. Um, but yeah, high school, middle school, I don't really remember too much. I I mean, I remember people bullied me. I went to several different middle schools, some questionable areas. I remember actually, okay, in sixth grade, um, I was so scared to go in the gym locker room that I would wear my gym clothing to school every day. So I didn't have to go in there because the boys at that school, I was going to um, Sweetwater Middle School in Gwinnett County at the time. And I remember one time I was like in the gym and somebody slammed me into a locker. And after that point, like there was like actual physical fights. It was like fucking uh, like a fight class in the locker rooms. And so I was so scared. People always would gang up on me and I'd be like, you know, what? I'm just, I'm just not going to go in there at all. I'm just going to wear my gym clothing. But people were nasty in middle school, whatever, cute and gorgeous. Fa- uh, fast forward to high school. High school was way worse because that's when I started using social media heavily and I didn't 
blow up on Vine or anything. I mean, I was more like small town famous. I mean, everybody would comment under my post like, oh, get the popcorn. Uh, Camo's making a post. And it would be war. There'd be hundreds of comments because I was very outspoken and I always tend to offend people by sticking up for myself, essentially. And so I was always in the office. I remember a few instances where these girls, I'm not even going to touch base on what exactly the context of it was because I did say some nasty things back to them, but um, they were like telling me to kill myself and all this stuff. And then I clapped back and then they deleted all their comments, printed up everything I said and it was just a whole mess, but I got in so much trouble in high school because of social media. And then my senior year of high school, I started, I I wasn't blowing up on vine, but for a small town, I did have 20,000 followers at the time. And you know, in a small town, if you have 5,000 followers, they think you're fucking famous. And so same kind of situation at school, people would be like, Oh, it's camo, blah, blah, blah. And they would make fun of me and mock me and just, uh, just be nasty to me. But I've always stuck up for myself and bitch, try me. I'm going to try you times 10. Okay. Thank you. And God bless you. Period. But overall, I I wouldn't undo any of it because I have so many stories to tell. I'm sure we will touch back on some of these in other episodes because it's truly too much to unpack in one episode. Um, But yeah. Well, I'm glad you shared that, friend. (laughs) And it's time to go on another break. (laughs) Hey, guys, it's Tasia. Welcome back to Unfazed and Unbothered. I'm Camo. And yeah, we are back. Um, We really unpacked a lot in this episode. Um, I'm honestly very happy that we could express all of this and explain all of this. It was like a therapy session. Absolutely. Very therapeutic. And I feel like it also gives everybody a an an insight on who we are more as people a different perspective and not just yeah and not just like online being being silly and and goofy you know that's the thing with social media i mean like we even mentioned it in the first episode but social media people have always shared the highlights and the good parts and it's so easy for people to paint this picture of who they are and what their life is like and especially more so creators not just everyday people using uh social media but like big creators absolutely they really paint these pictures of who they are and what their life is like and then when the camera's off it's like night and day yeah that's why too like i try to be very you know, when I came back to social media, I was very transparent about everything I went through. But I will say that it's very easy for people to, you know, understand, you know, my transparency and be and all these things because I'm doing good. But when I was getting in trouble in and going and going to jail and being in rehab and going to prison and all these things, it wasn't looked at as, wow, you're going to get through this and become so much stronger. It was like, ew. How embarrassing. You should be ashamed of yourself. But now that I'm doing so well, people are like, wow, that is so beautiful. But it wasn't beautiful when I was going through it, you know? That's what sucks. People want to rally together when there's this victory story. But when you're in the midst of all the trauma and chaos, nobody's there for you. Everyone's like turning their back on you. Everybody is... having this idea of you and thinks all these horrible things about you and nobody's really there to kind of help you get through Period. these things. But then once you've made it on the other side, like you have and you've opened up and you've shared your experience and you're like, look, I overcame this. Now suddenly everyone's just coming out the woodwork. Like I'm so proud of you. Oh my God. You're doing so good. Bitch. Where were you when I was in the motherfucking prison cell? Where <laughs> was you at? Why would you not hit me up on JPay? Like, well, you know, and also too, like with the, you know, whole backstory behind the mugshot tease, the first time I ever got arrested, that that picture was exposed of me online and people were being hateful and disgusting. And so now I'm like, okay. They were tearing your whole absolutely. reputation apart. Exactly. And when I came back to TikTok, you know, that wasn't being talked about at first because I'm I'm just now getting back into social media. Give me a give me a fucking second. Um 
And people were like, LOL, when you see her mugshot on Google and shit. So I just started fucking posting this shit myself. Like, yeah, this is me. Well, the thing is- And I'm not ashamed of it. Exactly. You cannot shame the shameless. And when you come out and you're like, yeah, bitch, I went through this. Ha ha. And now bitches- People are wearing my mugshot on a t-shirt and we love all the- we love all these beauty queens out here. No matter what you've been through, you can come out on top. Fuck these haters. Fuck these Where bitches. Where is my mugshot t-shirt, by the way, friend? I'll, I'll get you one, friend. Thank you. you, you, you thank you and God bless you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing, though. When you are transparent, first of all, people can really relate to you. Because a lot of people listening have been through similar experiences. Um, but unfortunately, uh, a lot of creators, a lot of social media people, they don't have this personable experience or relationship with their audience because they are more focused on the facade and painting this picture that their life is so perfect. And so when something does slip up and something does happen to them, people online want to constantly bring it up. But for your sake, I mean, for your, um, situation you've came out and been like this is who i am this is what happened yes i did go through this yes i'm not ashamed of it and now people have nothing to hold against you because you are transparent and you are honest and you own your history and like we've said everything we've been through has molded us into the people we are today so again you can't shame the shameless we know who we are we know what we've done we know where we've been and you can't hold none of that against either of us and if you want to fuck you bitch eat my pussy (laughs) (laughs) no but it's like so true like so many people i feel like because i'm so confident in who i am today but it's also taken me a long time to get there and i get and i think it also comes with like being a mom too like you just, I don't know, you kind of open up more as a mother. And so I feel like I'm so confident in who I am. And it's like, if you judge me off that, then kind of like check yourself because are you yeah. okay? Yeah. Like, are you actually okay? Because if I look at somebody who is going through a rough time or whatever, and this is also why I strayed away from AA and NA because people get sober and they act brand new. And then you have all these newcomers coming in that are like two days sober and they're like, oh my God, two days sober? Fuck out of here. I'm like, bitch, don't forget where you came from. I yeah. can't stand that shit. So I don't go to AA and NA. It's never done anything for me. Um, but I will say that people like that, you know, you know, you just need to check yourself. But if people that have been through it and that are in recovery act like that, then it's it's not really a surprise to me that people that don't understand judge. You know, people are just so judgmental anyways, no matter what. They want to yeah. point fingers at everybody but themselves. Mm, and 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 that's just that's that's definitely facts. And no tea, no shade, no cap. But um anyway. <laughs> So if people judge me for for things I don't care um because I don't I don't sit here and judge other people for you know their experiences because it's different than mine like that's your experience this is mine and we you- all have our own baggage we all Period. have our shit we all have our mess nobody is perfect so no this world is full of imperfect people yeah yeah and i think everybody needs to realize that as perfect as you think you are as amazing and uh put together as you think you are girl you have insecurities you have things that you have done you have situations that you've fucked up in and you need to own that and people need to stop pointing fingers and calling other people out for shit that they are also very much guilty of so the difference is that some people just don't get caught um i love this episode today friend this was it was a lot it was a lot that we definitely unpacked and i'm Mm -hmm. super excited for the the new upcoming podcast as well because i feel like this this is just a great experience it's new it's going to be good for the both of us and for everybody and i love being able to just open up because i feel like too this is you know a lot of people are like why don't you make a youtube video and blah 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 i feel like this is way better than putting it into a youtube video like you can really just talk on and there's less pressure youtube you gotta have the nice setup and you know now they're just hearing our voice and so it's it's less pressure and plus a youtube video like who has time to edit an hour-long episode yeah like what no um i'm very excited for the future of this podcast there's been so much we've unpacked and there's so much more to unpack i went through a, a very traumatic health experience but i don't want to really include that into this episode because it's 
deserving. It's deserving of an episode of its own. Absolutely. (laughs) But that also contributed to some of my high school experiences and some of my high school traumas. Um, But we'll touch base on that in a future episode. Uh, But I'm very excited. I, I, I loved this episode and I'm excited to share it with you guys. So when you're hearing this, Hallelujah. Finally, we can share our stories because we've had a lot. We've been carrying a lot of shit all our lives. Yes, honey. (laughs) So I guess that wraps up today's episode. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is who we are. So thank you guys for tuning in to Unfazed and Unbothered. And we look forward to seeing you guys on the third episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Unfazed and Unbothered. Make sure whatever platform you are streaming on, you like, subscribe, review, rate, and stay tuned for our next week's episode. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you guys.